I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My, my soul shall make a boast of the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Let's praise the Lord for his mercy and his grace and his goodness. Amen. Amen. I am um, honored to have the opportunity to both have a, a friend in ministry like Pastor Arrington and an opportunity to preach at this historic church. Uh, Pastor Arrington is right. There were several conversations, maybe, where I may or may not have said that this was not for me. And uh, I believe one of the times I may or may not have said, no, not me, not ever. Yes, but um, our plans are not always God's plans. And I um, thank God for a friend like Pastor Arrington. And thank God that he has gone ahead of me and is able to reach back and show me some pointers. Uh, not, Not very many pastors, especially outside of this denomination, are as helpful towards a a young pastor coming up. They certainly would not be trying to share the pulpit. Um, I am uh, partial to the gospel according to John. Uh, You might say it's one of my favorite gospels, maybe even my favorite book in the New Testament. It was uh, my New Testament professor's favorite book, And so that kind of stuck with me. Um, We spent half a semester covering the gospel according to John to the point that uh, when our final came up, we had an extra credit question. And it said um, the, the extra credit question was, what is the favorite or what is the best gospel? And uh, the answers was A, the gospel according to John B, the gospel according to John. C, the gospel according to John. And D, the gospel according to John. I think I got that extra credit question right. I'm not sure. I may have to go back and look and check. But um, it's also got some of the most powerful verses in there. We got uh, John 1 and 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things made through him. Without him, nothing was made in him was life. And life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. And it goes on further down around verse verse 114 and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory and the glory is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's talking about Jesus, the word that became flesh in front of us. It's written by a a calm and cool and collected brother that wrote the gospel. He called himself the 
the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. And I've tried a different experience now. I've learned in seminary, they told us to one time read the gospel according to John. And every time it says the disciple that Jesus loved, put yourself in there. And it opens up a whole new experience. Gospel according to John is a, a, a gospel that tells our, our, our entire theology in one verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel according to John is a powerful, packed book. So we join Jesus in chapter 7. This is right after chapter 6 in the Gospel according to John where he just got finished walking on water and uh, feeding 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. But the next day they came back to see. And some people thought that they had came back to see a show. But he said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He's not talking about food right now. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which endures everlasting life, which the Son of Man gave to you and your Father as his seal on him. The only things you do for Christ will last. Doesn't matter too much else what you have to do. It's all about what you do for Christ. I'll probably never forget, but I saw an interview once with Russell Simmons, uh, a multi-multi-millionaire, started off making money by making music. He was being interviewed by a radio station, and he said um, <clears throat> to the radio host, now this is the radio host's job to play the top music. And you got a man who makes top music talking to him in an interview, and he said, DJ, can you name the top ten songs from six months ago? The DJ couldn't. What about three months ago? The DJ could not. They knew what was hot now, but they did not know what was hot six months, a year, two years ago, because it didn't last. But 2,000 years ago, somebody born of a virgin, suffering under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again, is still revelant. Goes on to say in the scripture that he did lose some followers, and he decided to go to Judea but he made a pit stop in Galilee. The reason he made that pit stop in Galilee is because not that many people were really happy about what Jesus was doing and saying. Healing the sick, opening up blinded eyes, setting the captives free, the established hierarchy, they did not like that. But Jesus kept on doing it because his authority didn't come from them. It came from the Lord. And when you have the Lord backing you, you can't lose. Sometimes it's not always about you, but sometimes it's about who you're with. I, uh, I'm a fan of basketball and uh, been watching a lot of the playoffs right now. And I'm noticing that even though Miami is a good team, they okay. They got some weaknesses. They weak in the middle and if you can drive to you can win and if you have somebody in the middle on your team to stop them from driving you can win but there are so many people that are scared of a LeBron James and a Chris Bosh and a, and a Dwayne Wade and because of the name that they have on the front and the name that they have on the back people don't seem to play the same 
I was reading a book called Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. It was written by the same person, the personal trainer of both Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Dwayne Wade. And he said something that Michael Jordan used to do before games, they don't allow them to do it anymore, but he'd walk into the opposing team's locker room. He'd walk into the opposing team's locker room, shake hands with a couple people, not speak to the team, act like he knew somebody else in there in the business side, and then he'd walk out. And people got so flustered at the fact that the competition was able to walk in that that messed up them. And so people got scared of the name before they even got scared of the player. Not that these were not good players. Not that Michael Jordan was not a good player. We all know he was. But sometimes he didn't have to because he knew where his authority came from and he had a name that he was carrying. He had a jersey that he was wearing that people became more scared of. Than the, actual, than the actual thing he did. Apostle Paul puts it best when he says that, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God some more says, in many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all. Bible goes on to say that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the Lord, the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. It matters what team you're on. It matters who your family and friends are. It matters who you roll with sometimes. Just to put it plain, if you got to fight me, you got to fight my family. And my family is much bigger and stronger than yours. I don't care what you thought you was going to do to me. I got somebody bigger on my side. I knew whenever something happened when I was growing up, if my sister got in a fight, I couldn't come home talking about my sister got in a fight unless I wanted a whooping. My sister got in a fight, we got in a fight. There was no standing by and watching You came to the aid of your family. There was no standing by and seeing what happens. You either squash it or you get in and help. It's all about your family. So anyway, Jesus is on his way to Judea for the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, as they call it. It's a Hebrew festival that is celebrated annually. And the people of God, they celebrate this to remember that Moses led the people in the wilderness for 40 years living under the stars and so to commemorate them living living in the wilderness for 40 years and being out of bondage from Egypt they spend a week not staying in their own houses they put little booths and covers and tents on the outside of their houses and they spend that seven days just spending time with family away from the Xbox away from the cell phones away from Facebook, away from Instagram and Tumblr and away from all of that, just seven days with food and family and fellowship. Why? Because the Lord kept the people of God for 40 years. 40 whole years they didn't want for food or anything. They were protected. And so if they did that for 40 years, what's a little bit of uncomfortableness for seven days. 
I'm reminded of a parent taking care of a child. You know, they feed and they clothe you when you can't feed and clothe yourself or even know what it was. It's a, a baby is, in, is defenseless. And I'm seeing this firsthand with a two-year-old and an 11-month-old. Some of these phrases that people used to tell me that they're, they're starting to make sense now as I grow in fatherhood, like I saw you before you saw yourself. That didn't really make sense when I was a teenager and I knew everything. That didn't make sense. That wasn't logical. How can you have seen me when I did not see myself? Lo and behold, saw both my children before they saw themselves. Fed them before they could. They couldn't make formula on their own. They can't change their own diapers. They can't do all that, but it's family. And so when someone is able to do something for you, What's the least bit of showing some gratitude and appreciation for all the things that they've done? So you have this family time, this family celebration, and Jesus did not want to miss that. But he knew the people were out there trying to get him. So he went another way. He wasn't going to miss that because he wanted to be a part of the community. He wanted to be a part of celebrating with his family. I've been told oftentimes, and I say this at Haven Chapel, you can't be a Christian outside a community. You know, they say a litmus test for a church is if it closes down, will the community have missed it? Did they even know it was there? You can't take this goodness of Jesus, this grace, this understanding, this love, this long suffering, and keep it to yourself. You've got to share it. You've got to be able to operate with people. You've got to be able to show love to one another and get out in the community and interact with people and not just be on your pew, on your row, in your church. I'm reminded of a comic book character I used to grow up reading, Superman. Superman had an alias, Clark Kent, wore a suit and the glasses, and then when he was Superman, his real self, he put on the blue and red tights and the cape. Superman used to go into a phone booth. Clark Kent used to go into a phone booth to change into Superman. But when he changed into Superman, he got out the phone booth. He didn't say, I'm going to stay in the phone booth and y'all need to come to me. Y'all need to come out from among them. Y'all need to let go of these things and come to Superman. No, he went out to help the people. And that's how I feel the church should be. We ought to go out and help the people. We ought to be in the community. We ought to be able to help. We ought to be able to share. And that's where we come up into the word, where he's at. The last day of the feast, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, come to him and drink. Just like he told the Samaritan woman a couple chapters before. Coming to him and drinking of the living water is, is believing in Jesus, accepting him as your savior. Water is a, is a strange thing. We, we got a lot of things that have to do with water. It's in almost everything. Our bodies are made up of water. The planet is covered in water. You can go without food for a long time, but you can't go without water for very long. There is water being broken at a birth. There is water when we are being baptized and birthed into the Christian family. 
When you have water, it's good. When you don't have water, it's bad. When something goes well, some people say it went swimmingly. When somebody is uncomfortable or they're doing something bad, we say they are a fish out of water. The people who have a bad argument or people who who try to make a point and the point doesn't make sense and messy people are both said to not be able to hold water. And the young folks, when they see somebody is acting desperate, acting a little bit out of character, they say they're thirsty. When things are boring, it's dry. We like to vacation, and some of us live near the water. When people want a vacation, they go to Galveston, they go to Florida, they go to the beaches. They don't go to the Sahara Desert. Water is good. And if water is good in the natural, how much more better is the water in the supernatural? Taking this water that Jesus is talking about is beneficial. It's letting us take on the living Christ. Taking this water that he's talking about puts us in relationship with God because he's the God that has done so much for us, who loves us and cares for us, whose grace is sufficient, whose mercy is everlasting, whose truth endures to all generations. He's talking about that water now, not a drink, not something that quenches our natural thirst, but something that quenches our spiritual thirst. And he says, he who believes in me will flow rivers of living water. That's what Dr. Sapp was talking about in his song, Rivers Flow. Says, I got a river flowing inside of me. And I'll take a drink forever. Whenever I feel the need. Not in the mountains or in Jacob's well. But from my valley flows a well of living water, worshiping thee. Once you take this living water that Jesus is talking about, you use it to develop your own relationship with Christ. There was a time where I was not only made to go to church because I didn't have a choice, but made to be in ministry. But I can't depend upon that now. I have to form my own personal relationship with Christ. I have to form my own personal relationship with Lord and know him for myself. Or else when those times come around where my mother and my grandmother are not around anymore, I might falter. I might fail if I don't get my own foundation. Our friends and family are great, but sometimes we have to get our own faith in. We have to work our own faith out. We have to walk our own faith. I've had a pet peeve for a while and It's one that I experienced in college. Um, A lot of people would go to college, particularly young men, and they would have grown up in the church all their lives, and they would come across a uh, someone who might have known the Bible a little better than them, and been a part of a different religion whether it be the nation Islam or the nation of gods and earths or more science temple. It was a whole lot of stuff out there 
that they knew, and they knew just enough about the Bible to shake somebody's faith. I want to do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. And the only way to do that is to make sure that people develop their own personal relationship with Christ. Because if they only have the relationship that their mama and daddy taught them, when their mama and daddy are not there, it can shake. This is how you build your own well, spending some time with the word yourself, wrestling these things out, praying, working with God, developing your own relationship, and not just because you have to. Not just because your mama and daddy made you. You got to develop your own relationship. We have to believe in them ourselves. This living water, it, it, it quenches our thirst. It meets our needs. And it's a water we can't last without. Jesus is offering it. So why not take a drink? Then he was talking about the spirit. And that's why I like Another reason I like the gospel according to John. Because the moment he was talking about is the moment that we're celebrating this, this, this Pentecost. This is the moment that they're talking about in Acts chapter 2 where the Bible says there, is a, there was a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house. And the Bible said they had tongues like fire. I say it again. The Bible says they had tongues like fire. Have you ever been touched by fire? Have you ever tried to touch something that you thought was cold and it was hot? Fire will make you move when you did not plan to move. Fire will make you say some things that you didn't plan to say. And so there's these cloven tongues like fire. And this same kind of fire from Pentecost that birthed the church and moved the church, it made them move when they didn't intend to move. It made them go places and say things that they didn't intend to say. And it's the same thing when you take on Jesus. You will move when you don't intend to move. It'll keep you putting one foot in front of the other when some people thought you shouldn't have got out of bed. It'll it'll put some pep in your step. It'll put some glide in your stride. It'll help you continue to say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, that's fire that's in you. And not just you, but those who are around you. It'll change your life and it'll change everybody else's life. It'll take somebody like Peter, who in the Gospels was cussing and cutting people's ears off and in people's face and telling them how he felt about things and didn't really care if they liked it or not to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, when he's filled with the Holy Spirit as he's answering questions, the Holy Spirit will take anybody and put a past in front of their name, a past sinner. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things come new. And when you take this living water, when you experience this spirit, this fire, your life will never be the same. And we have to share it. We have to share it because God has been so good to us. How dare we not share the goodness and the mercy and the grace? How dare we not share this so that everyone else can experience the goodness and the fullness of Jesus Christ? In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the...